A year ago, when Brent crude oil was trading at $116 the barrel, BCA Research released a paper explaining why oil is headed to $55 a barrel, more than halving of the price at that time. Now, few in the market believe that that would be possible, but certainly seems that Brent may well be on a path to that sort of area. Why? And what's been happening? And how will things work out from here? Welcome to IG Trade in the Markets podcast. I'm Jeremy Naylor. We're talking now to BCA's chief strategist, Davil Joshi, who's on the editorial board, which published that paper last year. Davil, thanks indeed for joining us. It's, it's good to be able to catch up with you. Thanks. Always a pleasure. Explain your thinking last year, because when oil was at that elevated level, as we said, many in the market didn't believe that $55 was possible. Now looking as though it certainly is. Yes, there were two bits to our thinking. So as you say, oil was trading at $116. I mean, actually peaked at $128. And we took this quite sort of contrarian position saying um, it's going to drop substantially for two reasons. First of all, on the supply side, we we always knew that um, Russian oil would find its way into the market, maybe directly or indirectly. So um, countries like India and China are extremely happy to consume Russian oil. One thing to bear in mind is whilst the developed economies, including the UK, have taken a sort of anti-Russia stance, developing economies are either neutral or in some cases uh, pro-Russia. So we're getting a slightly sort of distorted view of um, how Russia is being treated in the international community. So that um, Russian supply is going into the market and it produces around 11 million barrels a day. So that's 11% of oil output. But there was a bigger story, which is that we just thought that the expectations for demand growth were also much, much um, too optimistic um, a year ago. And one of the reasons is because every year we, we tend to get these efficiency gains in our oil use. And that simply hadn't been factored in into the in, into the numbers uh, and, and still isn't being factored into the numbers in terms of you know what what demand growth we are actually going to see over the next couple of years or so. So so where did that fifty five dollars then come from? What, what, what was your your calculations? Yeah, so that that fifty five was a kind of indicative target, um, because what we were saying is, look, the, the economy, the global economy is going to enter a quite a sharp slowdown. Um, and we looked at the last uh, six major um, global slowdowns. In every case, we have a big drop in the oil price. Um, uh, and what we looked at was the sort of average peak to trough decline in those six downturns. And we said, look, um, if we just get the average decline, and that turned out to be 60%, by the way. So it's, you know that's the average decline in, in, a, in a recession or major downturn. Um, if we apply that average decline to the peak in this cycle, which was 128, you get to that sort of territory of around um, 55. So it was an indicative target. I don't want to sort of put too much sort of emphasis on that actual hard number. But as it turns out, it, it's you know it's not a bad target to use even today. Um, you know, based on where we see um, demand being too high, or you know where we see the potential downside to, to, to demand expectations from right now. Okay, well, let's let's pick up on that business about the demand versus supply. You said the Russian oil coming into the market, which is always something you had you sort of expected. So that's the supply side. Demand side, yes, we've been over optimistic. But in fact, at the moment, you talk about recession. I think of of all the major nations, Germany is the only one I think of as as, as having gone into recession. Um, so 
whether or not there's going to be soft landings, I'm not quite sure what the what the trajectory is for 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 economies. Certainly, central banks seem to be wanting to continue to raise interest rates. Inflation is still uh, being held up. Um, how do you see the demand supply balance going as we look out from this point for the rest of the year? Yeah, so the important thing is um, when when the world economy is in a recession, it doesn't actually contract. Um, so a recession in world economy terms would be a growth of around you know two percent. So that's not actually a recession in which demand isn't contracting, but it's very low um, compared to its sort of typical average rate. So you know, bear in mind that China is targeting a growth rate of five to six percent. So that's the sort of official target. Um, that sounds like a high number, like five to six percent for China. That's very, very low. Remember, China has been growing at eight, nine, you know, ten percent um, for for many, many years. So this is a big downgrade to Chinese growth, even though it sounds like a good number. You know, from a, from a, from our perspective, that that sounds good. Now, the rest of the world, the developed world, um, maybe it will avoid recession, right? Uh, or maybe it won't avoid recession. But we're still talking about very low single-digit numbers. We're talking about you know zero to one at best. Maybe. Um, it could go negative, as as you know, has it has has in Germany, as you point out. But when you combine those numbers, you know, develop you know, developed world at sort of zero or maybe that sort of area, China around five to six, um, you're getting global growth of around, you know, I, I would say two to three. That's what it's going to average out at. That's very low. And the key point here, this is really really important, that um, because of efficiency gains, whatever global growth rates you get, you have to subtract 1.6 to get the oil demand growth numbers. So if we're going to get, let's say, 2% growth in, in the global economy, we're going to get very, very little oil growth because you take two, you know, subtract minus 1.6 and you're at sort of almost flat uh, demand growth, right? That's really the key point. That efficiency deflator, we must that, uh, take that into account. So Compared to what I think we're going to get, the expectations now at sort of 1.7 to 2% growth in oil uh, are just too optimistic. Mm. Okay, let's just take a look at the supply side and talk a little bit more about Russia. Um, Russia clearly has no sensitivities to what OPEC is trying to achieve here. And I've seen it reported actually in the Wall Street Journal, I think it was, that uh, the break even that um, Saudi Arabia is working to in order to fund its massive infrastructure projects is $81 a barrel. We're, we're a long way away from that. Clearly, I think there must surely be, therefore, this sort of friction within OPEC+. Plus. Um, what is the future for the relationship uh, around the world for oil producers? When you get this sort of really big uh, disruption to what is essentially seen as a, a, a workable relationship, I mean, clearly this cuts right the way through down into the heart of any agreement that Saudi Arabia may have had with Russia. Yeah, because uh, there's a sort of lot of uh, game theory involved in this, particularly when you're trying to prop up the price. Um, and let me explain why, because um, it is sort of counterproductive to be the sort of the first guy that cuts production when demand is slowing because um, yes you stabilize the price of course but you're the one who takes the hit in your cut volumes do you see, do you see what i'm saying so you're producing mm. less at maybe a, a price that's stabilized so your competitors whether they're the you know the non-opec producers or even within opec if there's a little bit of let's say cheating going on your, your competitor uh, can get can can get one up on you if, you if you see what I'm saying. So there's that sort of inherent tension, whether OPEC sticks together um, 
or whether there's sort of the temptation to cheat. The game theory is, look, um, you know, if I sort of if I'm the good guy and I stick to what I'm saying, then there's a there's a there's a there's a tension or a possibility that you're giving up market share to someone who isn't um, being the good guy. So that's really the inherent problem. Um, and one of the things we've, we've noticed is that, you know, whenever you do get these downturns, um, supply is never, you know, supply never moves proactively. It always reacts. So what happens is that you get this sort of sharp fall in demand, which is unexpected, you know, whether it was in sort of 2008 or in the pandemic. Um, but the suppliers don't react very quickly. They react with a little bit of a lag. And that's when you get this sort of big inventory build because the demand is dropping, but the supply is sort of adjusting relatively slowly. So you get this massive build of inventory and that's what pulls the price down. One one final question, and going back actually to this $55 a barrel level, you still happy short on this market down to that sort of area? Do you think that there is still the capacity to see that sort of proportional loss in the price of oil from where we are? Yeah, because as I said at the beginning, we've come down from $128 um, to whatever we are now, 75 or so. Mm. And we haven't even had a recession yet. You know, as you said, maybe only Germany is in a sort of technical recession. So we've come that we, we, we you know, we've come back, we've come down a long way. And, and the recession or or the big sort of downturn in, in, in demand is, is still ahead of us, right? You know, whether it's actually, whether we actually outright go into recession or we go, we're hovering around zero or very low single digit growth, doesn't really matter, but it it's still to come, right? So I, I'm still sticking with, um, you know, my, my target around the $55 mark before we get to the cycle low. Look, Darvall, it's a pleasure catching up with you again. Thanks indeed for your time explaining your uh, recent thinking on, on oil. Thank you. That's Duffel Joshi, the Chief Strategist at BCA on today's IG Trade in the Markets podcast.